This is The Bugle. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4014 of the Bugle audio newspaper for a remorselessly visual world and this planet's one remaining hope of salvation. I'm sorry, I'm just hearing we have been downgraded. We are, in fact, just background noise in the slide to oblivion. Uh, Sorry, I'm not really talking this up, am I? I'm Andy Zaltzman, third in line to the throne of America. Uh, It's nearly true. I am live in Cock Lane. That is... (laughs) Cock Lane in the city of London rather than the Washington DC street formerly known as Pennsylvania Avenue. Back in the studio in Cock Lane, uh, we, uh, we've recorded here a few times before and as previously discussed uh, on a bugle some time ago, um, this uh, famous street gave the world the scandal of the Cock Lane ghost fraud of 1762. <laughs> Back when you could make up bullshit like a ghost called Scratching Fanny um, <laughs> and get away with it and people didn't mind. <laughs> and uh, just around the corner from where John Bunyan, the platinum-selling 17th-century Methodist author and pin-up, popped his clogs in 1688. Good move, Bunyan. You're well out of this mess. And joining me here within a stone's throw of St Paul's Cathedral, if you've got a, a tidy throwing arm and an aerodynamic stone and you get a favourable ricochet off a couple of buildings, back from his latest intercontinental jaunt, it is the Marco Polo of moaning about <laughs> politics. <laughs> The Vasco da Gama of vocalising da gripes. The Walter Raleigh of whinging about the right wing. The Christopher Columbus of constitutional complaining. The Leif Erikson of lefty earbending. Sorry, I've, I've, I've not taught this up either. Moving into third place in the all-time most frequent buglers. Good luck getting into the top spots. It is Nish Kumar. Hello, Andy. Hello, buglers. Welcome back. So you've been... You are clocking up the continents. Yeah, I'm really... uh, For someone who spends a lot of time banging on about people's responsibility with regards to climate change, (laughs) my carbon footprint is yeti-sized this year. (laughs) Um, I got back uh, from Brazil uh, about six hours ago. Right. And I've had about five coffees. Well, good prep. So this could be an interesting bugle, That is traditional bugle prep. (laughs) Also, background noise in the slide into oblivion is surely a future Zorzman show title. <laughs> that is absolutely yes. masterful stuff. I will make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how was uh, how was Brazil? Brazil was uh, amazing, Andy. Yeah, I've been in uh, I've been in Brazil uh, in the sort of depths of the rainforest with the Chavante tribe, and um, it was a you know amazing experience. And uh, what was they... this a kind of what, logging expedition or? <laughs> It's, well, um, it's my plan to recolonise the south of America. <laughs> Seeing as the north of that continent is uh, in a bit of a pickle. Oh, um, I'll just restart. Start yeah. the American experiment again <laughs> in a sparsely populated part yeah, of the Yeah, just hit Control-Alt-Delete on America. Right, it's worth a go. Uh, we were with the Chavante tribe, but they... Um, Obviously, we don't speak the same language as them, so you would think communication would be quite hard. And uh, Bugler's will be familiar with the fact that I've got quite a distinctive laugh. Um, it's frequently been described as infectious and not in a good way. <laughs> and uh, it turned out that uh, <laughs> we found out on the second day that we were there that they had had a village meeting and top of the agenda was discuss that guy's weird laugh. <laughs> 
had, they they basically had a discussion about what my laugh sounded like, and they came down to either a bird or a banshee, but one with good intentions. <laughs> so it turns out that in Brazil, Andy, I'm basically Casper the Friendly Ghost. Right. That's that's a good, that that should be that could be your your title. <laughs> um, so you're 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 filming this this kind of globe trotting yeah it's a, TV we spe- show yeah that's right we spend some time with the tribes and my friend Joel Domit uh, participates in their kind of physically demanding traditions and I am his uh, sassy sidekick yeah but of course you know the most physically demanding tradition in Brazil is football um, yeah. and that's. <laughs> You know, inevitably, this conversation is going to go that way. Did you play football? We did play football. Brazilians? How did that go for you, Nish? <laughs> well, I've seen I've seen Joel Dolmet play football, and well, he's got an engine. He does have an he engine. He doesn't major on finesse. <laughs> I think I can say that. I've he, not seen you play, but I'm very keen. I'm very keen to see you you play football. But how did it go? Well, he Joel actually has a theory that all of the comedians that play football play football in the same way that we do comedy. <laughs> so Joel considers himself to be sort of, a, you know, persistent and energetic. And he's not wrong with me because I am wildly inconsistent and am <laughs> often found on the left wing. <laughs> Boom. But we did we did play football. Let me tell you, Andy, Brazilians are good at football. Right. And uh, we went up against a team of uh, Brazilians. And when I say Brazilians, I mean... Uh, Girls aged between seven to twelve, right, from the village, um, who were were all were kicking a ball around. We thought, well, we'll have a go, and uh, everyone was sort of like, well, you know, let's take it at half speed. They're only children, and uh, within about five minutes of the game, uh, a seven-year-old girl had beaten uh, three of our best men uh, with a string of Zidane-style pirouettes. <laughs> Uh, we had a, a shot that we thought was definitely going in until one of the more defensively minded players cleared it off the line with her head. And my personal low point came when I uh, was faced with uh, the task of defending against probably the smallest player on their team. I reckon she was probably about seven years old and she was also wearing a My Little Pony T-shirt as if to <laughs> accentuate the, uh, the age gap. And she was coming at me. Andy, I was doing my duty. I'm predominantly an attacking player, but I was putting a shift in. I was getting back, I was covering my fullback. And uh, she was coming towards me. I've uh, gone side on, trying to show her down the line. Everything's under control. Until uh, this girl scooped the ball over my head <laughs> and ran around me in the manner of Paul Gascoigne versus Colin Hendry in Euro 96. Right. Wow. It- Brazilians are good at football. Until they get to a World Cup semi-final. <laughs> evidence of recent years we just didn't play German enough That's, yeah you've got to it's all about the structure and and how has Brazil's reaction to uh, to Donald Trump so far because I mean there can't be many nations in the world that Brazil can look at politically <laughs> and think they're but for the grace of God. <laughs> it's a, it's actually hard to say because the bit of Brazil that I was in uh, with the Chavante did not have uh, the internet and I was unable to get a phone signal. And I was there on Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So And they were the happiest days of your and life. And they were the <laughs> happiest days. They were the happiest I've been in a long time. Right. And uh, I thought, well, this is perfect. I've sort of managed to dodge all of the inauguration. But then obviously on Tuesday, when I returned to a hotel with the internet, I then overloaded. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, it was absolute. it was pure... Pure news, and I was right. not ready for it. I then spent b- most of the rest of Wednesday, instead of sightseeing in Sao Paulo, just sat in the corner of my room shivering. 
This is uh, issue 4014 of The Bugle, the newscast that uncovered post-facts, alternative facts and anti-facts before all the big cheeses jumped on the bullshit bandwagon. We were here first <laughs> telling it like it isn't or telling it like it wasn't, which it now is. Um, this is the week beginning, uh, The Bugle for the week beginning, Monday the 30th of January 2017. On this day in 1649, only 368 years ago, just down the road from here uh, and a bit further on uh, to Whitehall, King Charles I... Uh, old Chucky Chop Chop himself, the inventor of, <laughs> amongst other things, the Spaniel Dog and the 1980s mullet hairdo. Uh, well, he went 1-0 down in his classic King versus Axe confrontation. <laughs> Quickly became King Charles the Dead, executed on a balcony outside Banqueting House on Whitehall. Now, um, I, I did an after-dinner uh, job in uh, Banqueting House last year, and it was in the room outside which King Charles I <laughs> was uh, beheaded. And... Uh, it has a very echoey acoustic. Sure. And it made me think that, you know, people when you have your head chopped off, you have those, you know, a couple of moments of consciousness yeah. before you are mercifully uh, taken away by the Reaper. Um, now, if that window had been open that day, it must have been pretty galling for him with that echoey acoustic that probably the very last thing he heard during his few moments of consciousness after the axe fell was the echo of himself saying, ow, that stinks. <laughs> As always, a uh, section off the bugle going straight in the bin. Our sales of colouring books for adults slow down. We look at the next infantile crazes set to sweep the retail world. Uh, there's a new app uh, from the parenting apps developer, apparently, um, uh, an app called Mummy Special One, which is an auto-cooing app, which runs in the background of your mobile devices 24-7 365, and whenever it detects you doing something to an acceptable standard, it lovingly coos at you like the proud parent of a little baby. Uh, I've got it on my phone here. Here's a few examples of how it reacts. Uh, you complete a tax return. Haven't you done well? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Here's what happens if you do an adequate presentation at work. You tried really hard, and that's the important thing. Well done. What happens if you send an email? Good boy and or girl. You're a good boy and or girl. Or eating a meal without more than 20% of it ending up on the floor or your face. Your mummy's clever boy, aren't you? Mummy's so proud of you. Or perform a basic bodily function. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Aren't you beautiful? <laughs> so there you go. Something to... Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, all, we're all reverting to... To childhood yeah, but I'm afraid that would do nothing for me, Andy. <laughs> that, that bears no resemblance to the way that I was raised. If I had that app, I'd just need it to react to everything I did with just the phrase, I wish you'd been a doctor. <laughs> Top story this week. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I don't feel fine. I'm actually very concerned. <laughs> Andy... <laughs> Last Friday saw the inauguration of Donald Trump, a man whose IMDb page contains the credits Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Ghosts Don't Do It, a film about a man who kills himself after a heart attack, wrecks his body, but then comes back as a ghost and convinces his wife to pick and kill a younger man in order for Scott to possess his body. We can now add inauguration of the 45th President of the United States to that IMDb list and the part that he was playing was President, <laughs> as opposed to the part that he played in the inauguration of the 44th president where he played the part of racist man screaming at his television <laughs> and what a part that was Andy we all remember his classic catchphrases show me the birth certificate and <laughs> frankly my dear I don't give a damn where that black guy says he was born <laughs> um, yeah well 
Was that, we recorded last week, yeah. literally hours after the inauguration. You, I heard it. It sounded pained. It was it was pained. I mean, you were safely ensconced <laughs> in the jungle by the sounds of it, which is basically where about six and a half billion people wanted to be at the time. I did have to because I, uh, in order to execute that joke which I think we can all agree I did so flawlessly. <laughs> I knew Home Alone 2, but I had to go on his IMDb page to find out some other things that he'd been in. That's where I found Ghost Don't Do It to be the TH Witch. Right. And when I went on his IMDb page, uh, it's uh, the about me, the, about the artist, and I use that word in inverted commas, <laughs> section, uh, says that Donald Trump was born on June the 14th, 1946, in New York City as Donald John Trump. He is a producer and actor best known for The Apprentice, the Comedy Central roast of Donald Trump, and Fox and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a real burn on the presidency. And then in the nickname section, the nicknames that they've got listed are The Don, The Donald, The Trumpster, DJT, and The President of the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> um, he has uh, finally updated his website. Now, I'm not in a position to um, criticise people for um, not updating their websites. But at at the moment of the inauguration, on Trump.com, the biography page did not mention the fact that he was about to become president of the United States. It has now been updated. The final paragraph now reads, um, uh, Mr Trump officially announces candidacy for the presidency of the United States. Uh, on June the 16th, 2015, on the 20th of January, 2017, Mr Trump was sworn in as the 45th president and turned over the management of the Trump organisation to his eldest sons, Donald Jr. and Eric, which rep- follows on now from... I mean, that that is considered only worth putting in at the end of his autobiography after Mr Trump has been recognised by Golf Digest magazine as golf's greatest builder today <laughs> and by Sports Illustrated as the most important figure in the world of golf. <laughs> But look, there's plenty of examples of US presidents with unusual CVs before they came into office. Jimmy Carter was a peanut farmer. Ronald Reagan starred in a series of films with a chimp called Bonzo. And Calvin Coolidge actually used to roll around with a tiger. <laughs> a little Calvin and Hobbes joke there. Very good. Quite early on in the, uh, in the bugle. So let's disregard that for a second and see where we're at after a week of the Trump presidency. And the answer is on the precipice of total Armageddon. In his first week, he has had a Twitter meltdown, signed an order mandating the removal of funding for any organisation that supports abortions, tried to stop all refugees from Syria coming into the country, stopping all refugees full stop. Uh, He's also promised to publish a weekly list of crimes committed by immigrants and then (laughs) demanded that Mexico pay for a border wall, which caused the Mexican president to cancel or his proposed trip to the United States of America. At this point, his first week in office sounds less like the actions of the leader of the free world and more like the lyrics to an updated version of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> Refugees, go f- yourselves. Women need to shut their mouths. Going on a Twitter rant antagonising Mexico. We didn't start the fire. Uh, well, I mean, you say we're closer to Armageddon. The Doomsday Clock, a symbolic clock face that represents quite how close we are to global catastrophe. It's been maintained since 1947 by a load of scientists, <laughs> that rather discredited social group. Uh, they uh, have move, moved the minute hand forward. We're now just two and a half symbolic minutes away from <laughs> Armageddon. Um, 
since Trump. He's been very busy. He's uh, stood up for the ordinary American Rust Belt worker who got him into power by um, trying to accelerate the heat death of the planet and above all by stopping women in Africa having access to birth control. <laughs> Key issues in the former industrial heartlands of the United States. <laughs> all those voters who went to the ballot box in November thinking... I've been left behind by the pitilessly amoral myopia of modern global capitalism, by the tycoons and billionaires who care not for the livelihoods of others. If only, somehow, our political system would recognise this and slash funding to crucial women's health services in the developing world. If only. As long as I know those Rwandan women cannot get advice on family planning, then the urban desolation and decay I live in will all seem worthwhile. <laughs> Trump has he's fulfilled the wishes of his voters. Fair play to him. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about the lack of basic competence in the handover between Obama to Trump. Uh, There was a big scandal yesterday because uh, a whole number of people in the State Department left. Now, that's not uncommon because those are largely political appointments. The problem is there are no replacements lined up. And as such, (laughs) there is no Secretary of State in America. So there's been a lot of issues about basic competence. So you would think Sean Spicer, press secretary, face of the administration, is going to be keeping, you know, doing his best to put his best face forward. Unfortunately, yesterday, (laughs) he tweeted this, N9Y25AH7. (laughs) Now... God, that's not a nuclear code. (laughs) Yeah, that was the immediate concern of everyone. The immediate concern was, was this a nuclear code? It was quickly deleted, but not before, obviously, everyone on Twitter had screen grabbed it. (laughs) So the implication is clearly that that was his Twitter password. But more concerningly, was it the nuclear codes? And we are now in a situation where the best case scenario is that the press secretary of the (laughs) president of America has no idea how to use a computer. (laughs) The press secretary of America is showing the same level of competence as your grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A number of other uh, actions by Trump. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the wall with Mexico, Mexico. he said, you know, obviously he said throughout the campaign, Mexico is going to pay for it, and all his supporters said Mexico is going to pay for it. So they, you know, there's a democratic mandate there. Yeah, they've shouted it at, uh, at rallies. Yeah, the, the only difficulty is how to get Mexico <laughs> to pay for it, because there's a number of options. How how do you get someone to pay for a twenty five billion dollar wall that they don't want? It's a difficult thing. I mean, option one, ask nicely. Can't really be seen to do that. <laughs> that is not what people voted for. Option two, ask not nicely, which they have tried, and Mexico <laughs> said uh, no. Option three is do it covertly, using taxes. Now, this seems to be what they're now going to try to do. But the problem is, you know, raising import taxes on Mexican goods, it's just not as satisfying, is it? Where is the dick-swinging political triumph in gradually collecting a new 20% import tax or cutting aid programs from Mexico. America wants to see the full 25 billion handed over either on a giant novelty check <laughs> or preferably in a massive briefcase filled with non-sequential $20 bills. Um, plus, you then have to factor in the knock-on impact, essentially meaning that America will be indirectly paying Mexico to indirectly pay America <laughs> for the wall. Option four is just pretend. And I think this is their best option. <laughs> The American public has shown itself to be credulous of bullshit. All he needs to do... And politics is 99% psychological these days, Nish. Yeah. All he needs to do is come out one day, uh, Trump, and say, yeah, I saw President Payne and Nieto yesterday, uh, and he just forked up, gave me a 
25 billion. Uh, did it by PayPal, so we're all sorted. And I think no, that would make America happy. I mean, that's basically what he's done through the campaign and yep. in the first week of his presidency. I mean, it's either one of those options or it's going to be the mother of all Kickstarters. <laughs> And they are going to have to have some huge rewards for yeah. those bits. Or looking at the way the Mexicans play football, it's going to have to be an overhead Kickstarter. <laughs> um. Oh, Buglers, I wish you oh, could really. see the <laughs> amount of pride in Andy's eyes oh. right now. Yeah, was... <laughs> the spirit of Hugo Sanchez lives on. Um, option five of course, is compromise and get Mexico to build the wall and pay for it, but in return for that, they will have to then return to the Mexican border of 1824. <laughs> this basically would lose well, about 40% of the USA. But, you know, as long as they do it, that's all that counts. <laughs> Many Mexicans um, view the wall as, quotes, unnecessary, inhumane, expensive and ineffective. And Trump has responded to this by saying, you forgot counterproductive. Still, four <laughs> out of five ain't bad. Take that, meatloaf. Beat you by 13.3%. <laughs> Beyond the politics and whatever you may think about Trump, it does seem like the administration has got off to a bad start just in terms of basic competence. <laughs> they didn't start well because they got bogged down in an argument over how many people were at the inauguration. There's been various uh, rumblings of discontent by White House staffers who say that there's no plan in place. And this is the danger when you elect someone with absolutely no political experience. This is the problem when you go for the maverick, the anti-politics candidate. It's a little bit like something uh, Aristotle once said. I can't believe this shit. What the f*** were you thinking? If you elect a cunt with no f experience and expect that he'll be moderated by a group of people around him who are as big if not bigger than him, of course everything is going to be f***ed. <laughs> Very wise man, Aristotle. Wise man. Uh, that's, I mean, a slightly over-enthusiastic translation, if I recall <laughs> from my days studying. Uh, yeah, it's less a translation Aristotle. and more a performance art piece <laughs> I called There Goes the Green Card. Uh, <laughs> Torture is back as well. He's, um, <laughs> Has it ever been away? Um, he's uh, nostalgia comes in many forms, and but you wouldn't have thought it would necessarily be for waterboarding. Um, <laughs> uh, although to be fair, the CIA quiz team absolutely never loses. They never. I had a guest spot on the CIA quiz team once, and it was amazing how many number one hits from the 1950s I could remember when I was uh, under the pump. Um, they get the best out of you. Yeah, well, I was trying to get my kids' school to teach pupils how to waterboard themselves during exams. But, of course, the naysayers and the snowflakes say they won't get the right answer. But I say it's better to get something down on paper rather than leave it blank. Classic whinging millennials. That's right. And that's the one of the things people say, that, uh, you know, sceptics, that torture victims don't always tell the truth under pain-assisted interrogation. And it does make you wonder, what the f*** have they been doing to Sean Spicer behind the scenes? <laughs> He must have been through hell. If Donald Trump is really interested in torturing people, then I would advise, instead of doing things like waterboarding, he just hands over transcripts of his own speeches <laughs> and just demands that people read them verbatim. Because just, as someone yeah. who sat, tried to read the whole of the transcripts of his interview with ABC this week, it is maddening. <laughs> Within sort of about three minutes of starting to read that thing, I would happily have fessed up all my bank details and claimed responsibility <laughs> for the Great Fire of London. Um, well, yeah, I mean, just inauguration on a loop. <laughs> that will... Yeah. If, I tell you, if they put that up in Guantanamo, just like say, right, hey, everyone, film night. And <laughs> just, <laughs> big screen, big screen on the basketball court, whatever they've got there, wherever they have the meetings in Guantanamo. I'm a bit out of the loop. And just put... Trump's inauguration on an endless loop. Um, 
Well, they would basically have confessions to every crime, as you say, dating back to the 1660s. I'm really enjoying your version of what you think happens at Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Film night, <laughs> basketball courts. Yeah, well, it's Brussels, isn't it? <laughs> Bloody human rights. Um, <laughs> Thank God we finally Brexited all that nonsense. <laughs> I think an alternative form of torture... You should be forced to follow 10,000 teenagers on Facebook. <laughs> I reckon that would work within about three days. Or copy out each of Donald Trump's tweets a hundred times like a naughty schoolboy. Um, Trump sort of tried to justify his attitude towards terrorism by sort of describing some of the atrocities that ISIS commits and saying, when ISIS is doing things that nobody has heard of since medieval times, would I feel strongly about waterboarding? And I don't know about Eunice, but I find it extremely reassuring to have, finally have a president who calibrates his moral barometer... <laughs> to ISIS <laughs> that's you know maybe I hope that's the base level but also I didn't realise ISIS were doing things from medieval times that suggests we're going to win this conflict far easier than I thought we were going to <laughs> they've just, they just got bow and arrows <laughs> uh, well yes well, was that, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the beautiful before it was a, um, I think Paul Ryan suggested bombing them back to the stone age <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you would have to bomb ISIS forward to the stone age um <laughs> Trump went on to say, I've spoken with people at the highest level of intelligence and I asked them the question, does it work? Does torture work? And the answer was, yes, absolutely. Now, can you take my testicles out of that clamp, do my fingernails back on and turn that f***ing dripping tap off, please, Mr. President? So, yeah, there's a number of different... Um, it could, uh, I don't know, other torture techniques. Uh, become a commentator on the seniors' golf tour for a season. That must be... Pretty dispersing. All come to every single one of my UK tour gigs, starting in Bristol <laughs> next Thursday, the second of February. It's nearly so Bristol is nearly sold out. Huge, huge in Bristol. That's great. You Other gigs on the tour, less nearly sold out. <laughs> what we what we talking? What are the travel spots? Uh, I wonder if it intersects with some of Kobar's spicier gigs. R- Richmond, uh, Richmond, Yorkshire. That is. Oh, Richmond, Yorkshire. Uh, right, the okay. Georgian Theatre. Or tenth of February. Come along. Um, other dates you might be interested in: uh, Leeds on the fourth, Leicester on the ninth, uh, Richmond I said on the tenth, Peterborough the eleventh, Colchester sixteenth, Corsham seventeenth, Milton Keynes eighteenth, Salford nineteenth, and others. AndySaltzman.co.uk. You are a. Oh, Dave, I've just managed to get a plug into jokes about torture. That is the kind of ruthless commercialism that that I've built my career. But on. it's not what you would call an ideal vibe, self-promotion-wise, to lead into it by going. Speaking of torture, <laughs> my comedy. Yep. <laughs> roll up, roll up. You know, it has been a, a rough week, and. Um, there is a something I read that suggests that a lot of people have simply given up because this week sales of George Orwell's 1984 have gone through the roof. <laughs> a couple of quick things here. It does suggest that, you know, a lot of people are just now thinking, well, it's all over. We may as well try and find out how you actually get along under one of these regimes. <laughs> but also it does make me think, left-wing people, we are a parody of ourselves because when faced with Trump, instead of thinking, well, let's sort of, you know think about what practical measures we could do to try and stop this stuff happening. We've all gone, fetch me a novel! (laughs) For through literature shall I understand! Well, also, on the subject of of Orwell, um, scientists have obviously jumped on this bandwagon as well, because I was just reading that uh, they've created a (laughs) human-pig hybrid. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. 
So <laughs> Orwell has all the rage these days. It's been a huge week for George Orwell. Yeah. <laughs> Authoritarianism, talking pigs. <laughs> um, as part of that uh, lengthy rambling and completely f***ing incoherent interview Donald Trump gave to uh, ABC News, he uh, said something quite extraordinary. He was talking about uh, how dangerous the world is right now as a justification for some of his more draconian policies. And uh, he actually said this, the world is as angry as it gets. Now, <laughs> that is a big claim, given that there have literally been two world wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would advise Donald Trump not necessarily to comb through a history book, but at least maybe watch 35 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, well, a quick update on how it's actually going. Um, because obviously the main goal of Trump is to make America great again. MAGA. Uh, currently, America is scoring 16.58 on the greatness scale. And we'll keep you updated with their score as the journey towards greatness continues. <laughs> um, maybe maybe we've, uh, we've all missed uh, Trump's whole thing, and maybe Trump is attempting to make America great again because he believes America was at its peak in the sort of prehistoric era and he's trying to drag America back to a time where only dinosaurs could survive <laughs> on it. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, I've had this. It's too much, Nish. I've, been, <laughs> I've, I've injured myself psychologically oh, Andy, you look so over sad. the last week by watching too much news and, above all, Reading too many below the line comments oh, on God. news stories, which Never is do that. basically like gazing into the open throat of the devil. <laughs> um, Andy, you're on particularly poetic form today. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. it's like doing a podcast with William Blake. <laughs> um, also, Andy is uh, naked and up a tree. <laughs> Little joke there for William Blake fans in the house. It's a bit mainstream, mate. <laughs> I've got to appeal to the masses these days, haven't we? Um, I think I'm going to have to have, have a week off Trump next week on the bugle. The, um, he's uh, already, um, I th since becoming president, uh, ticked off all seven deadly sins and contravened <laughs> all ten commandments, I believe. I mean, much. without wishing to be too coarse, he's definitely had a wank in the Oval Office. <laughs> there is simply no way... I, I, I give it, I reckon he lasted 45 minutes before right. he dismissed absolutely everyone. I mean, the good news for him is that he hasn't hired any f***ing staff, so it's not like anyone was going to come knocking. <laughs> Definitely knocked one out. Thank you for... Uh, I mean, it did probably it has raised the tone of the Trump presidency, <laughs> to be honest. Also, uh, he's, he's going to come down hard on voter fraud. Yeah, that's right. Um... Which you can understand is a big issue after he somehow became president despite the will of the American people. <laughs> Brackets, see accompanying footnotes. Um, but it's, it's good that, you know, when allegations this series have been made about voter fraud, he as president has a duty to investigate them, particularly when those allegations come from a source as high up as the president of America himself. Yeah. So it's good that he's basically investigating his own yeah. crazed ramblings. Yeah, it's the perfect crime. 
Uh, last weekend, there were marches around the world. I don't know if there was one in the Brazilian jungle for you to join in. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Mish. it was not a, yeah, not a march. But millions of people, uh, over 4 million in the US alone, uh, around 200,000 uh, in London, uh, depending on whose numbers you believe. I went on the uh, the London march last week. Oh, great. The, uh, um, the Women's March. Um, and uh, my <laughs> I took my kids along and... Um, well, I say I took my kids along. My wife took my kids and me along. Um, <laughs> she tricked you, saying that you were all off to watch cricket. There, there were some um, some banners that were, you know, slightly crudely expressed. Oh, dear. Um, when accompanied by uh, small children, including one that said, um, if abortion is murder, then blowjobs are cannibalism. <laughs> and... Um, I can't remember, I lost, slightly lost count of the number of times <laughs> I used the term ask your mother when <laughs> uh, one of my children... To be fair that to that mean? person, they were just quoting from some of the deleted verses from Rudyard Kipling's If. <laughs> <laughs> just um, a bit of poetry of an afternoon. But, uh, yeah, so we basically smashed the patriarchy niche. That yeah, was, that's uh, right. Um, my daughter, who's ten... Um, she uh, she said she told me I was too childish to be a patriarch, <laughs> um, and I'd like to pick her up on that. I say I'm not too childish to be a patriarch. I say I am just the wrong kind of childish, because I don't think anyone gets more childish than Donald Trump, King Patriarch yeah, of the, the Patriarchy. <laughs> I'm just I just have the wrong kind of childishness. We are just absolutely cranking out potential show title or names for your autobiography. Too childish to be a patriarch. <laughs> that is... I expect to see that on yeah. bookshelves in 2018. Um, it was uh, quite an inspiring day. It was yeah, how huge, was the march? Huge crowd, um, very good atmosphere, very positive, uh, certainly in London and across the world. It looked to me very much like a dignified collective expression of democratic opinion highlighting entirely justifiable concerns and expressing global solidarity in a time of anger and uncertainty. But it turns out, having read some of the newspaper reports and in particular below the line opinions, I was wrong and it was in fact a rabble of rabid feminists trying to destroy democracy and everything we hold dear. So Absolutely. I just, I, just, I just clearly got it wrong. But my girlfriend was on that march yep. and she is an absolute feminazi. And <laughs> she, she is absolutely, she despises all men. Right. And uh, does not allow me to vote for decisions that are made in my own house. Right. I'm a slave, Andy! <laughs> Some people said, what was the point of this march? Um, what was it going to achieve? And, you know, Trump did not instantly resign, as yeah. everyone on that march clearly <laughs> thought he was going to. <laughs> Therefore, it was pointless. A, a quick update from last week. We had a special two-clue presidential cryptic crossword... I can now give the answers. Uh, one across the clue uh, was the solution, two words, six letters and five letters. Obviously perverted new White House resident goes for some sodomy, switches O for A, gets between two large breasts. That's the start, then more arse. The solution, of course, Donald Trump. Um, do you want the explanation? Uh, OK. Uh, so the solution is obviously perverted new White House resident. That's the answer. Goes for some sodomy. So that is anal with the O switched for the A to make the onal of Donald. Between two large breasts, double D. That's the start. That's the first letter of the word that. Uh, then more arse rump. 
Uh, and one down, President, American leader, confused after getting the fourth and fifth prostitutes to get mixed up with endless dirty peas. Solution, President. So you have Donald Trump across President down. Um, so that's American leader, President, uh, con confused after getting the fourth and fifth uh, prostitutes. I'm trying to remember how this worked now. So that's the letters S and T mixed up with um, endless dirty P. So that's the uh, word uh, D-I-R-T and P-E-E -E with the, <laughs> the fifth, fourth and fifth letters of the word prostitutes. There we go. That was time badly spent. Andy, it might be the jet lag talking, but I have no idea what's going on right now. Your emails now, and this came in from Chris, Mandy and Noah, um, who writes on the subject Halloween update now, and they say, hey, hey Andy, and whichever hero is hosting with you this week. Ahoy. Long-time listener and first-time emailer. I thought I'd let you have an update about my family life. Thanks very much, Chris. Um, that's uh, delightful. Um, during this year's Halloween, uh, I presume you mean last year's Halloween, unless Halloween has been moved, uh, my partner Mandy and I... We're fed up of kids knocking on the door and asking for sweets. This constant barrage of knocks also woke up our four-month-old, which uh, Mandy started to get royally pissed off about. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. She made a scarecrow out of some of my old clothes and stuck a picture of Andy's face on it <laughs> with a sign saying, Buy your own candy, <laughs> I don't know why she used Andy's face, but when I asked her, she said that uh, he looked like an angry clown. Anyway, keep up the good work. <laughs> well, I'm honoured. Absolutely honoured. Um, I can't believe there's so much to enjoy in that email. <laughs> so much to enjoy. Also, buy your own candy <laughs> is actually a line from Quentin Tarantino's upcoming remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> You cast Samuel L. Jackson as Willy Wonka. That's what's going to happen. I can't believe they used your face. Yeah. Well, I mean, who would you have used? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming they accessorised it with my laugh. <laughs> I think I would have used uh, an entire printout of Article 50. <laughs> <laughs> Just pin it. Pin Just it like Martin Luther. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. This came in from Madeline. Dear Andy, as a long-time American bugler, I was excited to be finally on the right side of the Atlantic to catch your Soho show. When I told my mother uh, later how much I'd enjoyed the show, she exclaimed how happy she was that I'd gotten to see my, quotes role model. Now, neither you nor Holy I signed shit. you up for that title. It's up to you if you wish to claim it, but I should warn you, it's a poisoned apple. The last person to hold the title of my role model was Joan of Arc, who was famously roasted by her British critics before flaming out. Um, with a and she, I believe she was roasted on the basis that she was Madeline's role model as well. <laughs> um, and finishes with a nice little pun. With the success of The Bugle at Stake, I wouldn't wish to be the Rouen of it. The Rouen, the city in France, where I believe... She, was Joan of Arc executed in Rouen? Let's check. <laughs> I was going to say, is that not a double pun? Because she's also used uh, the stake of the... Because Joan of Arc was burned at the stake, wasn't she? Yes. It's a compound pun. Oh, God, yes, it is. Stake and ruin. Well, very good. Oh, God, that's, that's superb. It's very unlike you for yeah. a pun to fly under your radar, Andy. <laughs> you really must be off with yeah. all this Trump and Brexit stuff. <laughs> she uh, died in Rouen in Normandy, so there you go. Wow. Stake and ruin. 
Uh, keep your emails coming in to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com unless you are spam, in which case don't. <laughs> it's getting quite annoying. Right, that is it uh, for this week's Bugle. Don't forget to come to all of my tour shows wherever you live, particularly if you live in Richmond. Um, <laughs> Nish, anything to plug? Uh, y- uh, yes, I'm doing uh, some shows that I'm just going to... I'll do. That's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm in Glasgow on Monday, uh, the 30th, Edinburgh on the Tuesday, and then Aberdeen on the Wednesday, and then Oxford on the Thursday. Right. Um, Is that the Oxford gig that we thought might the, have been cancelled? The Phantom gig, it's back on. Oh, it's back on. Yeah, it's right. back on. Yeah. yeah, so I've got I've got those dates, and then um, and then I've got there's some others, but I can't be. <laughs> 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 there we go. Thank you, Buglers. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, there will be a show next week. I don't know if it'll be a full show yet or not, but there will be something next week. Then uh, after that, it'll be Anuvab Powell uh, in London, live in London for oh, wow. uh, the first time. Uh, thanks, Nish, once again for <laughs> joining us. And uh, yeah, I think we're gonna. We are, we'll, I think we will lay off Brexit and Trump for a bit, and just see what happens, and come back to it in like a hundred years with yeah. the icy prism of objective history. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>